You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Time to lock and load. Time to get control. Time to search for soul. And what's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. All right, David and I have gone through the Combine. We've gone through the Donovan Smith stuff. We have two episodes coming up, this one and tomorrow's, featuring just your voicemails. We're going to get those knocked out. You guys have been great at calling in. We appreciate your input. We appreciate your questions. We're going to address as many of these as humanly possible. We have a lot of them covering the same topic, so we're not going to play every single person's voicemail, but essentially everyone's questions will hopefully be answered between this episode and tomorrow's. So without further ado, David, let's get question number one. Hi, James. Hey, David. It's Chris from Virginia at TB underscore Bucks underscore for life. A great uh, job having uh, getting JC on your podcast. There's a lot of good nuggets I enjoyed listening to. Um, first off, if the Bucks like Devin White and they can't find a trade part, you know, everyone would want the Bucks to trade back because there's, right now there's just too many teams that are behind the Bucks in the draft that are going to want a quarterback. And I don't really see a quarterback going picks one through four. I don't see Arizona... Um, the Jets, Oakland, or San Francisco trading out of their spots for a quarterback or picking one them themselves. So I think it's highly likely the Bucks will will find a partner and trade back, get a few extra picks. Um, and even if they don't, if the Bucks like Devin White, like JC said, they could pull the trigger at five. And um, I kind of prior to free agency, my predictions on what they will or who they will, what position they will be targeting in the first round, I kind of narrowed it down to defensive end, uh, interior defensive line, linebacker, tackle, and maybe even running back. You know, a month ago, I was I wouldn't have said running back, but I still don't think it's a high possibility, but I still think there's a little bit of a possibility. But I don't see cornerback going round one, given that the Bucks have spent way too much draft capital the last three years and secondary players, so I don't really see safety or cornerback um, getting attention in round one. Uh, but great job, guys. And uh, Chef, Napoleon Dynamite is not good. Have a great day. Go Bucks. Napoleon Dynamite definitely isn't any good. However, oh, so as far bad. as yeah, it's it's terrible. Um, as far as the potential of a trade back scenario or teams trading up, I mean, we don't ever underestimate what a team will do to get a quarterback if they feel like they absolutely have to get a quarterback. And you know, there, there's been some talk about the Denver Broncos and whether or not they're actually going to go for a quarterback given the reported trades they have uh, gaining one quarterback, losing another quarterback with the Broncos reportedly trading Keenum, you know, obviously the, the, the long-term solution for quarterback in Denver is not on the roster as of right now. However, when you look at these quarterbacks and we've said this, and I know a lot of other people have said this, there are no slam dunk home run franchise quarterbacks. Like I know there's a lot of Kyler Murray steam building for the number one pick for Arizona Cardinals. That's more to do with Cliff Kingsbury in, in Arizona than it has to do with anything else. 
But Dwayne Haskins, you know, he did well in the combine. Drew Locke did well in the combine. Drew didn't really do all that well through, during the week in the Senior Bowl, but he kind of made up for it a little bit. These guys are getting drafted in the first round because of quarterback need and because of the value that's placed on the quarterback position, uh, and and for no other reason. Like if if you just drafted quarterbacks based off of their actual you know talent level, I guess uh, for lack of a better way of explaining it, these guys wouldn't be first round draft picks. So don't ever underestimate what a team is willing to do because if they're willing to to spend a first round draft pick on a quarterback who shouldn't necessarily be drafted that high, they're definitely willing to give up a little bit more to move up a little bit more. To get one. Now, I'm not saying you should expect, like, you know, I don't know, uh, like a Minnesota. I don't know if they, how they feel about Kirk Cousins after one year, but if they don't see him as the future, I don't think they'll trade from like 18 to four because uh, what they're going to give up is way too much, even for a quarterback uh, in this class. But seeing like New York move up from six to like three, they're going to give up some picks. Yeah, but they're not going to give up as much as a lot of teams would to get a quarterback. So, as far as trading up for quarterbacks is concerned, it's it's definitely something that could happen, which would only benefit the Buccaneers because either they could become a trade partner with a team like Denver or like the Jaguars or even the Giants. Again, don't forget the San Francisco 49ers, Chicago Bears pulled off a trade where basically John Lynch told the Bears, hey, I've got guys trying to get in front of you and I'm going to let them unless you give me you know such and such in a deal for you to swap with me. And the Bears buckled and they said, okay, we'll swap with you. So the Niners moved back one spot, compiled some picks, got the guy they wanted anyway, and uh, I guess Chicago could be happy they got you know Mitch Trubisky. So the Buccaneers could very well get a phone call from Jacksonville or from Miami or for Den- from Denver or from a surprise team that none of us are even talking about right now, Cincinnati, and call the Giants <laughs> and call the Giants and say, "Hey Giants, we're getting some calls from teams X, Y, and Z. Uh, give us this, this, and this, and we'll move up with you instead, or move back with you instead." Because then it's a win-win. The Bucks get some some more draft capital, and they get you know whoever Quentin Williams, you know Devin White, whoever it is that they want to pick, because they know the Giants are moving up for a quarterback. So yeah, I would never discount the the possibility of any of those things happening. As far as draft positions are concerned, um, the, the whole thing is fluid. But as the 2019 roster sits current day, I definitely think linebacker is the biggest need. However, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's who they're going to spend their their fifth pick overall on. Uh, I think that this draft class, coupled with the fact that the the linebacker is the shallowest position group on the team, fits for for an early selection in the linebacker position. Because like we've covered on other episodes, drafting linebacker in the second or third rounds just isn't going to work. You're not going to find unless there it's a stunner. You know, I mean, they happen every year, but unless you just get surprised at rookie camp by your third round draft pick, a la Quan Alexander, who I know is later, but you get the idea. Um, you're you're not you're not drafting a guy in the later rounds, banking on them being uh, a starter. If you're looking at inside linebacker, yeah, and, and I mean the only thing that I'll add to this is you you know I've said it time and time again, and I'll continue to say it. Everybody always wants to trade back, but you can't bank on that happening. Yes, Jason Light has done a really good job of trading back throughout his tenure. You know he's been able to finesse some of these trades. He's done a really good job with it. You know, like when he traded back last year, I was a little disappointed. I thought the value that he got for Buffalo moving up, I think he could have gotten more. You know, based on some of the some of the trades that we've seen for for teams to move up for a quarterback, I I believe he could have gotten more. Could he get some some serious return for you know that number five pick? Absolutely, but don't bank on it happening. 
you know, everyone always says, oh, I wish we had traded down or I want us to trade down. It takes two. It takes two. And if the Bucks don't get the deal that they feel is a high enough value, they will pull the trigger on someone. So just keep that in mind because trades are absolutely never a sure thing. So, uh, David, question number two. What's up, boys? It's Tyler from Boston. Been listening to some other podcasts, television, reading sports writers, and there seems to be uh, quite a few people that think that either Adam Humphreys or Deshaun Jackson would work very well in the Patriots system. Deshaun Jackson obviously can stretch the field for Tom Brady, and Adam Humphreys might be able to be a good slot replacement for Julian Edelman if he either leaves or if he gets too old or whatever the case is. What do you guys think about that? Seems like it'd be a good opportunity to go out and grab like a John Brown or some other or some other uh, prospect in the draft or something like that. Thanks. All right. Thank you very much for the call. And yeah, I mean, David, we've talked about it on here, how much we would enjoy having John Brown on the team. Um, I think Deshaun or Humphreys in New England make a lot of sense. Obviously, New England can just sign Adam Humphreys. But as far as a trade partner, it does make sense. But Teams need to stop helping the Patriots. Stop trading players to New England because all they do is end up just destroying everyone else. I don't think New England has ever lost a trade. Every time they trade for someone, the return is ends up being complete garbage. But I would, if the Bucks do trade him, which I, I doubt they will, I don't think anyone is going to give up any kind of capital to take on a one-year $10 million contract when they know that the Bucks will probably just move on from him anyway and they can sign him as a free agent. Now, of course, by trading, you are guaranteeing that you get that player and you don't have to bid against other teams as far as the contract goes, but you're still going to end up bidding against other teams in a, in a trade. So, you know, six of one, half dozen of the other. Um, I do think if he gets moved, it makes sense for him to be moved to the AFC. But, you know, I I would say the smart money right now is on Deshaun Jackson being cut rather than traded. Yeah, Deshaun Jackson's definitely getting cut, not traded. And anybody would work in New England. I think Bobby Boucher would work in New England. Yeah, probably. I mean, Bill Belichick could probably get us to work in New England. I'm 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 game for that. I I am too. Sorry, but guys. We're also on the wrong side of thirty, and yeah, I don't want to speak for you, but my athletic days are way behind me. Yeah, my athletic days never came. So <laughs> I I hurt getting out of bed. Like that's that's where I am at this point in my life. Um, all right, next question. What's up, guys? This is Matt from Morvin, Georgia. Hadn't called in in a while. I was kind of waiting for something interesting to happen. And today I listened to uh, Jason Light's interview. And a couple things I pulled from that is uh, I did not get a warm and fuzzy feeling from him about Gerald McCoy saying a Buccaneer. I know there's been talk that we're going to keep him and we're going to keep him at the current salary, but I don't know, something about it. I just I didn't feel like he uh, was really sold on that during that interview and that maybe he could be potential trade bait down the road and the same thing with Deshaun Jackson I didn't really get a warm vibe from him about that either so I wouldn't be surprised if they put both of them up on the trade block and they take the best offer and only one of them winds up staying with the team um I also 
didn't get a good vibe about Kendall Beckwith. Uh, I haven't heard anything good about him uh, coming back this year. Uh, so I'm kind of concerned about that as far as our linebacking core, and especially with uh, which leads me to to Quan. Um, I'd feel better about losing Quan if I knew Beckwith was going to be 100. percent But now I'm not sure if he'll even play football again. But I really think the Bucks want to keep him if the price is right, and the only way to really find that out is to put him out on the in the market and see what his value is. Now that I feel like that could either work in Quan's favor or against it. So only time will tell on that. But um, so with that in mind, I think Devin White is probably our best bet at number five, whether Quan stays or goes, just due to the Beckwith situation. But that's who I'd like you guys to really scout hard at the combine, though, would be uh, Devin White. And lastly, I just wanted to uh, mention my fear of JPP being a surprise trade with all the attention on guys like GMAC and DJX. I was quietly wondering what the WTF trade could possibly be, you know, the surprise out of left field trade. And from what I've heard being speculated, JPP might not fit with Todd Ball's defense, and I wasn't going to bring that up. I wasn't going to speak that in life, but damn it, David, you had to go there. So uh, I blame you <laughs> if uh, JPP's gone next year. But uh, anyway, just want to hear your thoughts, and uh, go Bucks. All right, so as far as uh, Jason Light is concerned, yeah, I mean that's that's something we've been talking about. He he was non-committal, or he he refused to commit to Gerald McCoy, he refused to commit to Deshaun Jackson, and then Bruce Arians got up there and said he's looking forward to working with Deshaun Jackson. He loves Adam Humphries. He wants all his free agents back. Uh, that's a coach coach is speaking, coach speak. GM is speaking, GM speak. And the bottom line is nothing is guaranteed uh, until it's guaranteed. So. As far as whether or not Gerald McCoy or Deshaun Jackson are going to be in Tampa or not, I, you know, we, we've we talked about it multiple times. I still stand where I stand. I don't think, honestly, either one of them will will remain in Tampa. I feel like Deshaun Jackson is kind of a foregone conclusion. I, I don't know if they're just hoping to get a trade partner. I don't really know what the deal is there, to be honest with you. It's, as far as I'm concerned, I don't think anybody is trading for Deshaun Jackson $10 million. So, uh, but, you know, never say never, right? Um even if they can get a fifth or a sixth. I mean, the Bucks don't have a six-round draft pick this year. If they can get a sixth form from someone, so be it. Um, as far as Gerald McCoy, I'm I'm leaning more towards if Gerald McCoy makes more, more sense uh, compared to what other moves they can make, then he, he might actually stay. Like, I, I don't know. If I had to put numbers on it, I'm probably 60-40 that he's gone. Um, so, you know, I don't know how, how you feel about those odds. With Jason Pierre-Paul, listen, I'm not I'm not trying to speak it into truth either. However, it just is what it is. I mean, the, the man is is about to make 15 million dollars against the Buccaneers salary cap this year. He is the second highest paid player on the team against salary cap uh, next to Jameis Winston, who is your quarterback. And not for nothing, but J- uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, you know, he he plays a quote unquote premium position as a defensive end. But yeah, there are some questions are about JPP and whether or not he can come off the edge as a 3-4 defensive lineman or an outside linebacker standing up. I mean, he's done very well standing up, but there there's a little bit of a difference when you're doing it in a 3-4 and you're doing it in a 4-3. And and I got the whole again, you know, we've we've talked about this before where you know the 4-2-5s and and all these other positions and defensive formations and, and I got it. But when when you start building the nucleus of your team, you kind of want to start with the shell of your football theology, right? And if your football theology is is built around the three four, then you want to start with guys who fit the three four, and then start to flesh it out to be versatile. You don't want to start 
with versatility and then flesh out your base defense. I mean, that's just, again, that's a football theology thing. You might disagree with me, and that's fine. I don't know what Todd Bowles is thinking. And I kind of wrote about this, or we kind of talked about this before. Uh, we've been writing and talking a lot, so I can't necessarily remember. But, like, what kind of corner? Oh, you know what? It was today in the Bucks Nation group message or whatever that we talked, that we talked trash about each other uh, and back and forth. What kind of cornerback does Todd Bowles want? I don't know. I, I can look at what he did with the Jets. I can look at what he did with the Cardinals. My assumption is he wants a big physical guy who can win at the line of scrimmage and essentially delay timing between wide receivers and quarterbacks. That's my assumption. Umani Oorie fits that to a T as a second-round draft pick if he lasts that long. So to me, that seems like a really good option in the draft for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What doesn't feel like a really good option for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the draft, if that's the case, is Greedy Williams. Again, two very talented guys, but again, football theology dictates a whole lot of these things. Looking at the defensive line, the New York Giants, one of the reasons they traded Jason Pierre-Paul in the first place is because they were worried he wouldn't fit in the 3-4 that they transitioned to last year. So a team that's already had Jason Pierre-Paul for his entire career up to that point was not sure he'd be able to execute successfully in a 3-4. So they traded him to a team operating in a 4-3. And JPP did great. But what everybody's got to do is kind of keep some of their emotions in check in this situation if it were to happen because while we all love the fact that JPP got double-digit sacks for the first time since Simeon Rice, Bruce Arians doesn't care about that. Todd Bowles doesn't care about that. And honestly, I don't think Jason Light cares about it. Like, I think Jason Light is happy that it happened and the Bucks fans got to see it happen and they were happy and elated in the midst of this losing, crashing, burning season that there was something to cling to to be happy. But at the end of the day, I don't think he really cares. Like Going into 2019, that doesn't really weigh a whole lot. So as far as releasing Jason Pierre-Paul or potentially trading him, I mean, they gave up a third last year. Can they get a fourth this year? I don't I don't think so. Maybe a fifth. I don't know. $15 million is a lot of money uh, to, to trade a guy for. So is it possible JPP could leave? I mean, can you say, James, that it's impossible? No, I won't say it's impossible, but I will say that it is improbable. I'll say it's unlikely. But again, they're all watching film. They're watching tape of what these guys are doing. And sometimes the guy you don't hear anybody talk about is the guy you should be worried about. And listen to all the conversations that so uh, Mike Bruce Evans. Arians, stop it. So, <laughs> so listen to all the conversations that Bruce Arians has had, that Jason Light has had, that guys that they're looking forward to stepping up. I mean, Jason Light even went as far as to mention Noah Spence being a guy he sees could be resurgent under Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians has gone as far as to talk about certain guys and their aggressiveness and their and their behavior, talking about Quan, uh, talking about some of these other players. But they're not talking about JPP. Now, that doesn't mean, and I'm not trying to scare anybody, it doesn't mean they don't like him. That doesn't mean they're planning on moving him. But it could mean they're not sold on him being here, so they don't want to throw his name out there too much just to pull the rug out from under him. You know what I mean? Those are possible realities. Again, please don't draw any conclusions about what I'm saying because I'm not saying that's what's happening. But I'm saying if the Buccaneers were 100% sold that JPP is a key to what they're doing in 2019, at this point, you might have heard something from either Jason Light or uh, Bruce Arians. Todd Bowles isn't doing a whole lot of pressers right now. Um, what I will tell you, not to plug somebody else's podcast, but uh, Brent Wren from the from the Pewtercast attended a fan event uh, last night when we're recording this, so Wednesday night. And I know, I don't know if they put it out yet, but they're planning on putting out some of the audio. And they did hear from some of the coaches and some of the assistants stuff. Maybe JPP's name came up in there. You know, maybe in, in a situation where, you know, we're looking to attack and guys like Jason Pierre-Paul really give us the firepower we need. That would be a sign 
that this coaching staff is dedicated to JPP as part of their future. Until you hear that, you don't really have that sign. So the possibility of JPP being moved exists from a speculation standpoint. I think I made that clear, right? Are we clear here? Uh, I, I believe so. Okay, cool. I'm sorry, Matt. <laughs> well, now he's going to yell at me about bringing up Mike Evans, but you're the one that oh. said that the person oh. that you don't hear anything about is the one you should worry about the most. And I haven't heard a single okay, thing I also about said Mike on Evans. yesterday's episode. Let's not get too wrapped around into definitives, right? <laughs> um, the only thing that I will add to that is the fact that when Bruce Arians was hired, we had that report come out that he had tried to trade for JPP once before, and it was when they were running a 3-4. So obviously Bruce has a plan for how he would want to utilize JPP in a 3-4, and I would trust that Todd Bowles would find a way to use him. I feel at this moment in time, and again, I'm probably going to get some hate for it, but I don't care. At this moment in time, it is more important for the Bucks to keep Jason Pierre-Paul than Gerald McCoy. That's just how I feel. And, you know, go back and listen to our episodes throughout last season. I am a, for, for those of you new to the podcast, I am not a Gerald McCoy hater. I love Gerald McCoy. I've been a staunch Gerald McCoy defender, and I've taken heat for it. But at the end of the day, there is a cap issue. There is a need for positions. There is a need to spend money and there is no money to spend. So the bucks have to kind of work around some things. And if you're sitting down in front of the giant digital board that we saw on hard knocks and you know, where they move all their players around and you have it narrowed down to, to Gerald or JPP, one gets to stay, one gets to go. I love Gerald and everything he's done throughout the community and being the face of the franchise for nine seasons and all that. But JPP is more important for the near future than I believe Gerald McCoy is. That's, that's just my, my personal opinion. So uh, David, we are, we're getting close, but we have time for the next question. Hey guys, it's late in camp, but just wanted to congratulate you guys on being updraft and for all the good work that you guys are doing. Um, I have to agree with you that we really have to wait and let everything play out. Um, as far as the top goes to DJX and also McCoy, well, Quan and Humphreys for that matter as well, even though foregone conclusion that Pump is gone. Um, unfortunately, we're just in that situation right now where the salary cap is um, where it is. Um, we've got a lot of good players that we want to keep. So it's going to be interesting to see how Jason and Bruce decide on, you know, which way they're going to go. Um, I trust them. Um, I think that what uh, Jason is, you know, has probably had his thoughts, but I know he I work closely with Bruce, and I'm looking forward to see how they make these decisions and what happens. Not going to stress over it like a lot of people. I'm just going to enjoy the ride. As always, guys, go Bucks. Have a great day, and talk to you guys soon. <laughs> All right, Leighton, appreciate the call, and, and yeah, I'm with you. That's all we can do. You know, we can David and I can sit here and speculate and guess and uh, predict and analyze all we want at the end of the day we have to just kind of wait on these decisions to be made um 
you know, there's a lot of decisions that can and will be made that are going to impact this franchise in 2019 and beyond. We've already start to see it with the Donovan Smith signing, the DeMarc Dotson option being picked up, the Devontae Bond extension. You know, they, you know, now the, the big question, and we're going to find out now we're when this, when this episode comes out, we're five days away from free agency. We're, I believe three days away from the legal tampering period, which is kind of the start of free agency. Anyway, you just can't sign the contract until Wednesday. Um, but you know, what's going to happen with Quan? What's going to happen with Adam Humphreys? That's when you're going to see some of these big dominoes fall. And, you know, maybe, maybe Gerald McCoy and Deshaun Jackson are still on the roster come draft weekend, you know, and then in the draft, a couple of things fall the Bucks' way. They get a Hollywood Brown, and they get a Quinn and Williams. Well, now you can move on. You can you can try to trade those players on day two or day three of the draft to pick up another draft pick, or or trade them afterwards, or or just release them outright. Yeah, you know, there's a. It's such a fluid situation, and I know people are going to freak out next week. When all these big signings come down, I mean, I can't even, David, I can't even fathom what Buck's Twitter is going to be like if within the first few hours of free agency, you know, Tyron Matthew signs somewhere, Earl Thomas signs somewhere, Eric Weddle signs somewhere, and then Quan Alexander signs somewhere that's not Tampa. Like, people are going to freak. They're, they will freak out, and it's a process. And in next Wednesday isn't the only day that you can sign free agents. Like, there's a lot of time left. There's still the draft. It's just it's a waiting game, but that's what makes football so fun. That's how it's evolved into a year-round spectacle. Even when they're not playing games those 20 weeks out of the, uh, out of the year, there's always something going on. So yeah, I'm with you. We just have to be patient. We just have to wait it out. And David and I can sit here and guess and argue and, and try to put together all these different puzzles. But at the end of the day, it's, it's on the shoulders of Jason and BA. All right. So yeah, patience is the key to everything. It's key to all these things because at the end of the day, we don't know what's happening inside the building. Um, You saw there was a tweet that went out yesterday or a few tweets that went out yesterday Wednesday, that is, that we're hinting towards the Cleveland Browns getting ready to do something absolutely amazing. And nothing happened. Doesn't mean that the rumors weren't necessarily true or that there might be something that happens amazing today. I don't know. But if you sit there constantly hitting refresh on your Twitter feed waiting for something to happen, you're just going to drive yourself crazy. So the key thing is it's fun to have these conversations of what could happen, what might not happen, what we think will happen. You know, it's fun to have these conversations, but at the end of the day, the important thing to remember is that they're all opinions of different people who see things in a different light and in in a different way and to just not get mad at each other. Um, Because honestly, the only opinions that really matter uh, when, when you're talking about the actual outcome work in the Advent Health Training Center and they don't, I don't think they get a whole lot of advice from Twitter. Um, the, The thing that I do like that we've seen so far though, and Again, it, it might just be kind of some of the verbiage that's being used, but it really does seem to me that Jason Light and Bruce Arians have much more of a working relationship than Dirk Cutter did with Bruce, with uh, Jason Light. I just remember, and again, I might be be reading, this might be Ja'Kai Polite all over again, but I just remember hearing in several press conferences and in conversations with Coach Cutter that 
you know, he would say things like that's Jason's job, you know, drafting that guy is Jason's job, signing this guy is that is, is Jason's job, getting the player is Jason's job. Well, what we've heard from Bruce Arians and, and Jason Light thus far is we're going to evaluate, we're going to assess, we'll talk about draft picks, we'll talk about free agents. And as as minute and as small as that might sound, um, we've speculated a lot about whether Jason Light is drafting players and signing players thinking one thing, and then Dirk Cutter is trying to use those players to do a different thing. And those comments of, like I said, that's, you know, drafting that guy is Jason's job. Jason drafted that guy. Jason signed that guy versus we evaluated and made a decision. We drafted a guy. We signed a guy. Those things speak to, to a level of, of being in sync that I just, it doesn't feel like uh, looking at who was drafted and signed versus the way they were used. It doesn't feel like the coach and the general manager were really on the same page. So hopefully if we can say anything about this, uh, Coach Arians and, and Jason are on the same page. So if a player stays, it's because they both agreed whether one had to give more than the other. But at the end of the day, they came to a point where they both agreed that it was best moving on for the franchise for that player to stay. And then if someone leaves, that it was best for the franchise moving forward for that player to leave. Well, and that kind of takes me back to to other conversations that you and I have had regarding light and cutter was, you know, was – was Vita Vea a guy that Dirk Cutter wanted that Jason Light drafted for him? You know, what or or did Jason Light want somebody else? You know, we 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 keep talking about the working relationship of the two. And it seems like more often than not, Dirk and, and Jason weren't always on the same page. Again, that may not be true. The, the, this is the perception. Perception oftentimes is reality, but yeah, it seems so far that Bruce and Jason have a much better working relationship. They're a little more open. They're a little more, um, how can I put it, jovial? You know, when they speak about one another, rather than you know, like you were saying with Dirk Cutter. Well, you know, that's that's up to Jason. That's not up to me. Yeah, it didn't seem like they had quite that working relationship that we're seeing so far with Bruce and Jason. And you know, things can always change. You know, maybe maybe Jason isn't quite the person that Bruce remembers. Maybe Bruce isn't quite the person Jason remembers, and this all fall apart. There falls apart. Who knows? But it does seem that things are off to to the right start as far as Jason and, and Bruce working together to evaluate the team and prepare to move on to 2019. Uh, David, we are up against the clock. We've managed to get through half. Yes, half of our voicemails anything else before we wrap up part one of this uh this episode it's not my fault if jpp gets released or traded check out everything going on over at bucksnation.com make sure you follow along on twitter at locked on bucks at jyarko underscore bucks at dh82 underscore bucks at bucks underscore nation and send in your voicemails to 813-444-5841 We have part two of our voicemail episodes coming up tomorrow. Hope you all have a wonderful, safe, and enjoyable day. And thank you so much for joining us right here at Locked on Bucks. Also not my fault if Mike Evans gets released or traded. That's that's all your fault. That that is not my fault. You brought it up. I did not bring Mike Evans up. You what what was your phrase? What was your phrase? You said the person <sighs> that no one is talking about is the one you should be worried about. Cutting all this out, so I don't even know why you're still talking. <laughs> That's not fair. Not fair at all.